Welcome to Dense in the Darkness, the monthly podcast of the Northeast Collaborative. We're a new church network that empowers pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America. I'm your host, Tim Madeira with WRGN Radio, here with NEC's Executive Director, Dan Nichols. Today we're going to hear some hashtag some good church news, and this episode is packed with Tim's. I'm one of them. We also have two Northeast Collaborative pastors named Tim here with us, Pastor Tim Walker from Restored Church in Wilkes-Barre, PA, and Pastor Tim Madden from Cornerstone Bible Church in Forest City, PA. Dan, you're the only one here not named Tim for this episode. Tell us a little bit about why, other than the name Tim, you wanted to have these two Tims on the podcast today. Well, absolutely, Tim. Uh, these two pastors, these other Tims, are incredible guys. Tim Walker is my best friend who started Restored Church with me, and he serves as the lead pastor there now in an urban context, and we'll talk a little bit more about that and why that's important later. Tim Madden is another good friend who pastors a great church in a rural context, and both of these men have led their churches so well through this COVID crisis, and we just had to have them on air so that they could talk more about what God is doing. Speaking of COVID, uh, churches across the country, at least in Pennsylvania here, are in the process of beginning that opening up, and uh, these two Tims have both got their plans going. And we're going to talk about what their processes are, because they're both doing it a little differently, as every church is. And so we'll be doing that at some point in the podcast today. But uh, do want to take a chance to introduce you guys, or at least have you introduce yourselves. So we'll start uh, with Tim Madden at uh, Forest City, and introduce yourself, your family, and what's up. Yeah, so my name is Tim Madden. I'm pastoring Cornerstone Bible Church for almost 13 years now. Uh, we live up where I say God makes snow. We're a thousand foot higher than Scranton, just right down the road there. Mm -hmm. And I have a wife, Shannon, uh, three kids. Well, we like to say four kids. So it's Jocelyn, Alexis, grad school, then Calvin. Oh. So we were both in grad school at the same time. So that's the big gap between eight and three years old in our kids. Did you ever get to see each other beyond over books? So we were we were in classes together, and we actually are very competitive. So it oh actually boy. worked out pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is uh, Tim Madden, Tim Walker, uh, Restored Church. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I'm originally from Detroit, Michigan. Uh, moved out to northeastern Pennsylvania 12 years ago for college. Uh, I have lived and pastored in Wilkes-Barre at Restored for the last eight years. Uh, cool thing, I actually met and married my wife, Heather, at Restored. Uh, she took a risk and dated her pastor, and then she locked in for life when she married her pastor. Uh, so we've been married for almost five years. Uh, we have two daughters. Lucy is three and a half, and Emily just turned one. All right. Well, you'll always have one church member. Well, now three. Yeah, so exactly. It's great. In good shape. <laughs> well, uh, we are, have been talking a lot about uh, hashtag some good church news. So I want to find out from each of you what wins you are celebrating over the last 
three months. Tim Madden, we'll start with you. Yeah, so the greatest thing has just been seeing the faithfulness of God's people. People are still watching the sermons, dozens that are with us in online Bible studies, um, and and just the giving and all the faithfulness of the people. What we specifically have been really encouraged about, we've been praying for over a year that a bunch of our young guys or young in faith men would step up to the plate. And so this has allowed them to do that as they're giving online devotionals through our church Facebook page. So we have people that maybe have not even shared their faith individually have now shared it with an entire town through our church Facebook page. We even had a guy that uh, he had never taught anything in our church before ever. Mm -hmm. And so he sends me this thing after I worked with him for a while. And then a week later, he just ships me another one that he made without me even asking. That is fantastic. So you're talking about uh, discipling and and really bringing up some new leaders in a difficult time. Yeah, yeah. I I think the cream rises to the... top during Mm -hmm. a difficult time. And so God has pressed on people through this and we've seen great wins through it. Oh, that is fantastic. How about you, Tim? Yeah. So I think probably the biggest win that we're excited about is the way our people are living in community. Uh, For years at Restored, we've said that church is not an event you attend. It's a community that you engage in. Uh, And in a season where we're not able to have a Sunday event, Sunday gathering, uh, we're seeing people live in community in some really awesome ways. Uh, They've prioritized connection and care for each other, even seeing like true biblical sacrificial generosity lived out. It's been incredible. Uh, So uh, my community group has really rallied around a mom in our group that's deeply struggling uh, in this time. Uh, And she recently told us a story uh, that her lifelong Catholic dad said to her, I can't believe all the ways these Christians have taken such good care of you Mm. in this hard time. Wow. Uh, So she has lifelong Catholic parents. She has a Muslim husband. And we've been able to see community represent Jesus well, so well to them, uh, which has been awesome. Uh, We've been working hard to mobilize our people. So we've actually established new ministry teams that are new and unique to the needs and opportunities of COVID. So seeing people step up for that, seeing people live on mission. Uh, We've been strategic to send people out to their neighbors uh, to really be able to care well for them, to share the gospel with people that they're close to. And uh, even just with NEC and beyond, just seeing collaboration happen. Mm. I recently heard Ed Stetzer say that before COVID, uh, collaboration was nice. Uh, Now it's a necessity, uh, which has been Mm. so true. And I think what I love is that uh, we've been interacting with pastors, not just professionally, but personally. This is a very hard season for pastors. It's a Mm -hmm. heavy weight to carry and just be able to check in personally, not just what are you doing, but how are you doing questions has been really cool. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that we've seen is a lot of uh, resourcing, right, Dan? Yeah, Northeast Collaborative is all about that, and that's why we named this new church network the Northeast Collaborative, because we value collaboration, and we also value mission. And so I've been so excited to see both of you lead in such effective ways at mobilizing people for mission. And one of the things we talk about is we want the communities where Northeast Collaborative churches are to be thankful that those churches are there. So I want to ask you guys, why are your communities thankful that your church is there. Yeah, so for our church, what we've decided to do is partner with other groups within our community instead of try to take it on ourselves. We've partnered with our senior center. We've partnered with our local 
local grocery store to do food uh, give out. And we've tried to bless our local nursing home with just some small gifts for the workers up there. We also have a great uh, lady in our church who God led to open a sewing center in November. And she said, I don't know why, but God is leading me to do this in retirement. And so what has she been doing the last couple of months? Making thousands of masks for people in our community that have to have one to work, that have to have Mm -hmm. one at the nursing home. And so we've kind of like rallied around her and supported her. And then even people within our church, we've written checks to, I think it's like 12 different people in our church. The church is writing the people the checks Mm. versus the other way around because people were out of jobs and unable to collect unemployment for a while. So we're just trying to help them out the best we can. Now, I've heard Mm. you both talk about basically giving back to the community and how has this affected the giving in your churches? Not, I'm talking not on a micro level, but on a macro level. You know, what have you seen? Uh, can you be more specific? Well, have you seen a decline in giving, or have you seen people become more generous? Yeah, so I think for our church up at Cornerstone, um, we're almost at where we were before all this. Now, some people have stepped up and said, I know people can't give, so I'm giving. Others have tithed out of their stimulus check or given out of that check as well. Mm -hmm. And other people are just giving to pass money on to other people in our church who have needs during this time. So I'm really proud of our church. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think for us at Restored, we saw a massive drop for the first month. Mm -hmm. And I think that there were a lot of unknowns for people in their own personal finances. I think there were a lot of unknowns for people in their church paradigm. Does the church still need my giving? Are we still going (laughs) to be active? And and I think people really rally behind strong vision. Mm -hmm. So I think as they started to see us stepping up in big ways in the community, um, they really started to give above and beyond, not just to the church, but also to meet the needs of others. So when you mm-hmm. saw, when they saw the church giving, they said, oh, we should be doing this too. Mm-hmm. Wow, yeah. what a great example uh, to the community. Now, speaking of community, what have you seen in your community? Yeah, I, we, we are really excited and encouraged. I feel like God has been using this season to actually answer prayers that we were praying before COVID about being on mission. So we've worked uh, for years just to build a strong gospel presence in our city where we've said, hey, we want to position ourselves that when crisis hits, we're the first ones that people think to turn to. Mm-hmm. And we've seen that happening. Uh, we've had uh, daily online social media presence and almost every day we've seen new people unconnected with our church getting on there, expressing needs, expressing prayer, um, even joining in and serving the community with us, which has been cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were able mm-hmm. to do a food distribution, give out 1,900 meals uh, to families in our local neighborhood there, which is really cool. A uh, number of community leaders came and served alongside of us, including our mayor. Uh, we were able to partner with a local food bank. They said, hey, there are a lot of elderly people that can't get to our location. So single-handedly, our team was able to step up and cover that entire need for them. Mm. Uh, I think the other thing that's been really cool is just seeing the reputation of our church grow. Uh, So we're going to talk about later with our COVID-19 response plan. We had four of our city council members reach out to say thank you after watching that. They're really thankful for the way our church Mm. is doing this. Well, now that raises a question. How did you intentionally develop and lay the groundwork for those relationships? Yeah, I think for for us, it's been uh, it's not primarily about what happens in our building. It's about our building being a launching pad for equipping people and living on mission. So for years, we've always rather than reinventing the wheel and doing our own thing, we've always tried to go to community leaders to ask good questions. Hey, what do you need? 
What are your goals? How can we come alongside of you? What do you wish you could do that you don't have the money or manpower for? And so we've worked with school principals. We've worked with city council. We've worked with our mayor, with other city leaders and community organizations where we've been able to do some really cool things over the years that laid the groundwork. So once COVID hit, they were ready to come to you as opposed to you then trying to develop those relationships. And I know you've done something similar in Forest City, right? Yeah. So I'm on the Business Alliance board in the community. So I've already been a part of that network work of business leaders within our community. I have a relationship with the mayor, the chief of police. And so these people, we, we work hand in hand with them. Mm-hmm. That's great. I mean, that is the way to do it. So if you're listening to the podcast and you're going, man, I really want to be better in the community, it it takes a bit of reaching out, doesn't it? And it takes time too. Those relationships don't happen overnight. So yeah. you have to develop them and you have to sacrifice your time. Or for our church, we kind of tithe my time as the pastor back to the community. So we say, hey, Pastor Tim's going to work this many hours and this much is allotted for community work. Mm-hmm. I think Dan has Dan has made a really good point along the way where he's challenged us from another network leader that he learned from that churches who fail to reach their communities during this crisis will lose the credibility to reach their communities after this crisis. Mm. Yeah, I think it's really important what Tim uh, Walker. <laughs> it's funny, uh, too many Tims here. Yeah. Walker said about asking good questions and the importance of proactively asking good questions of community leaders. And I think it's that old principle that we need to try to understand rather than be understood. Mm. And I think most communities, they only see churches or pastors as people who want to be understood rather than try to understand. And if we can posture ourselves to try to understand more, we're going to build those bridges so much more effectively whether there's an international pandemic or not. Right, because we'll be offering what the need is, not what we may perceive the need is, which may be totally off uh, based on what the community need is. And so, boy, that that is just great. Now, we talked about the wins. We talked about the good stuff. So we have to do the flip side of that coin and talk about the discouraging things or the challenges that you faced. So uh, we'll start with you this time, Tim Walker. What were some of the discouragements or challenges that you saw during this time? Yeah, I think probably pastorally the biggest discouragement has just been seeing people's fear being greater than their love. Mm. Uh, Mm. There has been such a lack of love, grace, and unity from followers of Jesus. And I mean, you see it all over the place. You see nasty disrespect for leaders and people on the opposite sides of the political aisle. Uh, You see Christians demonizing those that they disagree with. Um, you know, the reality is Jesus gave us an example of how to suffer well, mm-hmm. but many that are suffering are choosing to lash out with bitter, angry selfishness, which breaks my heart as a pastor because I see what could be and I see how we're giving up our voice for Jesus because how you say what you say is just as important as what you say. Uh, and when I look at the words of Jesus, he said, by this will all people know that you are my disciples, by the love that you have for one another. Right. And I think we're missing the boat on that. Mm-hmm. Um, even yeah. what Paul write, wrote to Titus said, remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy toward all people. And I, I think that a number of uh, followers of Jesus are struggling with verse one, being submissive right. to rulers and authorities. And it's coming out. They're not living out verse two. They're speaking evil of people. They're quarreling. They're not being gentle. 
and they're not showing perfect courtesy. Mm-hmm. And that's a challenge when we see something that we disagree with. I, I think for me, as I've watched this, uh, one of the hardest things to see is people taking sides. Look, we should all be on the same side. Yeah, we may have a different way yeah. of getting there, but you know, it's not a different side that we're on. We're on the side of life. We're on the side of, of seeing this country, seeing our people succeed. Uh, Tim, uh, Madden, you've been doing something a little different uh, in the way that you have been involved in the community and seeing your discouragements and encouragements. What's your thoughts on that? Yeah, so we live in a much more rural community than Tim does. Mm -hmm. And so for us, we've seen some injustices of how people have been treated with who can work and who cannot. So I've been speaking out publicly and standing up for those people. That's kind of been a frustration, but it's been encouragement and win as well. And a lot of the community people have rallied around us. I think couple more things. First of all, logistically, as a small church, I'm the only full-time pastor at our church. Mm -hmm. Moving everything onto media has been really tough. And of course, Mm -hmm. there was no preparation for it. In fact, I was on vacation as everything was starting to shut down. And so I was coming back, supposed to go on a trip, supposed to have some uh, Sunday off. And all of a sudden, this just got dropped in my lap. Now, some of these guys that are on the podcast today actually walked me through how to do a bunch of those things. Again, going back to the network and why it's so important. I think the other tough thing for me has been trying to keep track of the sheep and know who's still hanging with us, right? So when you have people coming in every week, you see who's there, you see who's not, you see the discouragement or the happiness on their face, the joy on their face. Right now, you can't keep track of 120 people, even if you have leaders who are helping with that. So I'm worried that people are falling through the cracks. That's my big uh, challenge right now. Mm, and that is, it's a big challenge for for pastors because part of your responsibility in shepherding the flock uh, means that, that this may mean some extra time for you because you've got to make those phone calls instead of seeing them on Sunday. Yep. You've got to you know do a lot more reaching out. Yep. Um, now, you have mentioned that you've tried to stand up for uh, some of those that have not been able to. How have you been able to do that in a loving way? Yeah, so I've spoken, I didn't, I didn't know we were going to talk about this today, but uh, I've spoken out at our lo- local county uh, courthouse where there was a rally, and I spoke in Harrisburg as well um, at a big rally. They A group called Reopen PA reached out to me and said, hey, would you do the opening prayer? Mm-hmm. So I hope, and I've asked these guys uh, for direction and prayer, that I've done that lovingly and respectfully, uh, but also standing up for what I see as injustices within our community. Mm-hmm. It's a tough battle to strike, but I think that uh, you are a good example, Tim, of how you can do that in a positive way. Well, I think that's one of the awesome things about the nation where we live is we do have freedom of speech. And as Tim said, uh, Tim Walker said, how we say what we say is just as important as what we say. And everything you've done, Tim Madden, in that journey, I mean, we've been cheering you on. We've been praying for you. Um, I think it's awesome that you've been standing up for the business leaders that you uh, know and love and you've been serving pre-COVID, Correct. which is so cool because coming into this, because of the love that you demonstrated, uh, both of you as pastors in your communities, you're able to see the fruit of all that hard work before an international pandemic just blossom and take shape in different ways, but with incredible impact. Yeah. And Tim, I just want to say, I, I appreciate your humility so much. I think that what I was saying about the discouraging things for me, oftentimes that's coming from very proud hearts. The fact that you're approaching it 
with humility and that you're yeah. inviting others, you're, you're checking yourself to say, Hey, do you feel like I'm doing this the right way? Is there any constructive mm. feedback you would give? Like, I don't see that type of humility in a lot of pastors. And mm. I really respect that about you. I yeah. appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. I do think it's important uh, that we as pastors set the example uh, for the the body of Christ, uh, because that's what we're called to as we disciple them. And I think that the people do react to what they see the leadership doing. As we were just talking about financially, when they see the church giving financially back to the community, uh, they're going to be willing to jump in in their way as well. Mm-hmm. Well, we have been coming through a very interesting time with the whole COVID thing. And you guys are both in process right now as we record this. Uh, putting together or have already put together your plans for the body of Christ coming back together as a group in your individual fellowships. Uh, what is your plans there? What are you working on? So as of the recording, we're going to be opening this Sunday on May 31st. Okay. Um, but it looks way different than anything we've done before. In fact, there was 20, I don't want to call them rules and regulations, but we had a list of things that we are not doing. And, and essentially, what we're getting back to is what we would call simple church, right? And so we're trying to make sure that the essentials are there. So I love what Tim said. I agree with his philosophy of building and equipping people in the church to send them out on mission. And I do believe that's something that maybe previous generations missed. Here's what I would say, and I'm kind of, I feel like the old cadre of the group, even though I'm only 37, but uh, I've been talking to some of the guys, and and what I want to make sure is that we don't send a subliminal message to the people of our churches that it's only to go out on mission. There is essentials to meeting as a church in the building. So three quick thoughts uh, in... 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. communion helps us proclaim salvation when we commune, when we are together. Ephesians 5, 19 through 20, singing is given for us to encourage each other in the faith, encourage each other in hope, lament with those who are lamenting, uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. And also in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25, of course, we're told to not neglect meeting together, but it's not just a don't stop going to church. The reason is in those passages. So the reason is to stir up one another to love and good works and continue in the faith. And of course, if people are slipping through the cracks, that's hard to do. Mm-hmm. And also, when I see your face, right? When I, when I see your face, I can see if you're encouraged, discouraged. And, and so we need to do that. And, and here's what I worry about. So I'm, I'm a little bit of a philosophy nerd. I've got my Lucretius Roman poet <laughs> oh, book boy. with me here, oh, The Nature man. of Things. Um, but so a humanistic, materialistic, atheistic worldview mm-hmm. says we're all just machines, yeah. right? And so let's not forget our humanity. We're made in the image of God. Our humanity is so important to our Christian worldview. So while we can do all these things that they couldn't do during the Spanish flu, they Mm -hmm. didn't have uh, Zoom Bible studies during the Spanish flu, and that's awesome. We are missing out on things. So I think when even if we can't open back up, we have to communicate to people that the gathering of the church different forms and functions, it is essential. Mm-hmm. We, if, if it was just up to um, the pastor to give a message, we would pick 500 pastors that speak better than us, that um, 
look you at the words on TV that. or yeah, listen yeah, to it yeah. on the radio or whatever. And, and yeah. So there is uh, a need for the local church yeah. to work together. So for us, we're opening up on Sunday. And again, we've had very few cases in our community. Right. Um, most of them have actually been in the nursing home, sadly enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But we're breaking the church in the two. We're separating chairs into different sections. We're going through every human... Uh, possibility of trying to make people safe as we can right now you've got somewhat of a different plan at restored church tim uh what have you done in your preparation and when are you going back or do you not know that yet? yeah so i i think i'll, I'll preface by saying every church has a unique context yes. and i think we need to have grace for each other in yes. that uh tim and i are taking two very different approaches because we're in two very different contexts and i i love mm. what he's doing in his context Um, I believe that moving forward, churches will individually have to make contextualized decisions based on the unique factors of their size, space, demographics, and more. Uh, So for our urban demographic, one of the realities is we have a lower health threshold uh, because of people don't have as much access to uh, healthy uh, care. So that puts us automatically at higher risk in our environment. So what we've tried to do is we've tried to disconnect from our discomfort or emotions uh, surrounding the this season. And we've operated off of four principles. So uh, first, we will prioritize the health and safety of our people. Uh, the data shows that there's a very small chance of death from COVID-19. Right. But the data also shows that large gatherings over 50 people significantly increase the risk of infection. You know, initially, none of us had any idea how severe this would become. But now that we know what's possible, we must take wise precautions. Uh, Beyond that, uh, even one COVID uh, positive person, if they were present in a Sunday gathering, our entire church would be forced to quarantine for two weeks, potentially jeopardizing many people's ability to work and provide for their families. Uh, So the second principle for us is we want our city to be thankful for the way that we navigate this season. Uh, We don't want our Sunday gatherings to facilitate a setback in our community. Uh, Many of our people work in local small businesses, some work in nursing homes, and a large number of our people don't live in single-family dwellings. Uh, They live in apartment buildings, high-rises, and housing units with many elderly, disabled, and immune-compromised neighbors. So we wouldn't want to risk people catching something with us and risk taking it back to entire communities or local workforces. Uh, Third, we're staying committed to our mission while being creative with our methods. Uh, You know, while we can't gather on a Sunday morning, there are a lot of ways that we can still be the church, and we're working really hard to do that. Uh, Last principle for us is we will move as fast as is wise. Mm. Uh, We've seen it's impossible to predict how all this will progress. Mm. Could get better, Mm. could get worse. We don't want to be presumptuous or premature in our actions. Uh, Otherwise, it would be frustrating and confusing for everyone. Uh, We've just said we cannot move from nothing to everything quickly with large gatherings and large ministries. Mm. So for us, we're taking a four-phase plan. Uh, Phase one, uh, under stay-at-home order, we're online only. Uh, Phase two, when our county lifts some of those restrictions, we're able to gather up to 25 people. We'll have a community group option where people that are healthy, able, and willing can meet together in person. They can gather physically. Um, When we get to phase three, when our county gets to the green zone, uh, we'll work to get the majority of our groups back together while providing online options for our vulnerable populations. Uh, And then by the time we get to phase four, we'll work to reopen public Sunday gatherings uh, once we've established a strong foundation of community. So really, uh, we've seen that with the rapid change of information, um, all of this is written in pencil, not pen, but Mm. really the underlying questions that we've sought to answer is, is it worth the risk? And what if we're wrong? You know, if we move too slowly in this process, 
We lose very little by effectively operating as a mobilized, scattered church. But if we move too quickly to resume gatherings, we could lose people and reputation in our city. Yeah. Now, I feel like we've got uh, the the philosopher and the mathematician uh. here, two, two very different <laughs> approaches to this. And yet you guys are still friends and still working together for the cause of Christ. Yeah, I was going to say, we're not dueling pastors. In fact, we've actually been talking to each other a ton over the last couple of weeks and yeah. months and helping each other even in different very different context. Yeah. Um, I would just say to the pastors who are taking it a little slower, I, I, I just encourage you to continue to tell people what the essentials are. And the other thing I worry about, Tim, is that we are making safety as the primary goal of the church. Mm. So we absolutely need safety. The Bible talks about prudence and safety all throughout it. We need that wisdom as well. I just want to make sure that even if we can't meet yet, I think pastors should be communicating with people because if we let them think that safety is the chief end of man, yeah. if real persecution comes to America, the church is done. We'll fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 Uh, I love what missio- uh, missiologist Alan Hirsch wrote. He said, to master chess, remove the queen. Uh, you'll learn what all the other pieces do. Sunday services are the church's queen. We struggle to do anything without it. Evangelism, community, teaching, etc. The queen's out for now. So can we relearn how to be the church in all of its fr- forms? I believe that we can. I believe that we are. Mm-hmm. You know, when we talk about church isn't a building, we're not anti-gathering. But how and where we gather can be shifted. Yeah. Uh, what, I, what I've told our people is for many in the American church, the priority of their church paradigm and experience has primarily focused on one hour a week together in a building. Sure. Rather than living in community the other 167 hours of the week. It's not an either or scenario. It's both and. Yeah. We need to both gather and scatter. So you know I what's believe- so ironic about that, though, Tim, is that when you play chess, you cannot play without the queen, which is hilarious. It's true. It's true. Yeah, I'm trying to learn from that. Illustration breaks down. Yeah, because once the queen is gone, it's almost game over. Yeah. So bo- bottom line for us, I, I would say um, while gathering together is essential, we must remember that the space and size is not sacred. Right. Uh, I miss large gatherings as much as anyone. Sure. Uh, But my biggest prayer in this season is that we learn how to mobilize our people to scatter well into smaller communities and equip them to effectively live for Jesus throughout all circumstances. Mm, Yeah. And I think what's so imperative in this time is that we can recognize that uh, even though different churches or different pastors may approach things differently, it's not that they're wrong or someone is wrong because the contexts are so different. And I think for both of you, the way that you're leading your churches is exactly right. And I love having you on this podcast to share about what God's doing in both contexts and in your church and in your personal leadership, because this is exactly what we need. We need to have uh, differences come to the table and recognize that it's okay to agree to disagree, or maybe not even disagree, but more like emphasize our priorities or prioritize different truths that are so more applicable to where we are. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that's really important in this season. It is, because as we look at, no matter what pastor might be listening or what church leader might be listening right now, as we look at each situation, each one is different. My dad pastors a small, older congregation. They've been together now for three weeks already because mm. the people basically were saying, we want this. And so they came up with a plan. They pushed it out there and said, this is what we're going to do. And you know, they were excited to be able to be back together again. So each 
group, each pastor is different. Give grace to other pastors that are doing it differently. Give grace to your people who may disagree with the way that you're handling it. And that example of grace will come back to you, I think. And I think we need to give grace to ourselves. Mm -hmm. I I think there's so much potential for pastors to burn out on your unrealistic expectations because they're trying to do too much too fast. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Now you mentioned uh, what your prayer is, Tim. How can we pray for you at Restored and you particularly? Yeah, I think uh, just for wisdom. Uh, It is sometimes daily that the information is changing. Uh, So just wisdom to know how to navigate it well Mm -hmm. Uh, and just endurance for the long haul. This is a hard and a heavy season for pastors uh, that really are shepherding people that are across the spectrum in their demands, their ideas, their presuppositions. So I think just endurance to be able to navigate this wisely and to be able to navigate this well for the long haul. Mm, I think that's good advice because we are talking about the long haul. I mean, we're at the point right now in Pennsylvania, we're beginning to open things up, but uh, we have talked a lot about the fact that there may be a second wave and that's a good possibility. And so we may see uh, a terms of shutdown and then open back up again. So how about you, Tim? What can we pray for you? So I'm going to echo that wisdom because just because we're opening up doesn't mean we don't need wisdom. In fact, uh, we're shutting down more than we're opening this coming Sunday. There's not going to be nursery, kids ministries, fellowship time. And so just knowing when is the right time to open each of those things, that's going to be key for us as we move forward. The second prayer would be pray that we can continue to love and guide and reach out to the people who are not going to join us the first Sunday. Mm. So we had people RSVP so we could make sure that we could have people at a socially distanced distant and 20% of those people are not going to be joining us the first week. So we don't want them to feel like they're no longer a part of our church just because Mm. it's not safe for them to come out yet. Mm. So we want to make sure that they feel loved, they feel guided, shepherd, all of those things. So just pray that we can make sure that we treat everybody the same, even though people have different uh, ways of returning. That's awesome, guys. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to come and share what God is doing. And uh, we like to say around here, hashtag some good church news. We want to celebrate that around uh, our entire network. And if you're a pastor that's out there, you're listening and you want to connect with a great church network that's empowering pastors to lead and launch healthy churches, uh, we'd love to see you on our website, www.necollaborative.com. Again, that's necollaborative.com. Hope you guys can check us out on the website and our Facebook page, too. On Instagram, we would love to connect with you more. We appreciate you joining us for this podcast of the Northeast Collaborative as we empower pastors to lead and launch healthy churches in Northeast America.